Good morning, Hope Jersey City. It is good to be with you this Sunday morning. We are currently in a series about called Subversive Unity. I, I'm with you this morning, excited to be with you, but to be honest, this is one of the hardest sermons I feel like I've ever preached. And it's because of what has happened in, the, in this past week. We have seen evidence of a, of a community and a country that is divided in a way that feels totally unprecedented. And we've been living in this divided world for a long time, but this past week has felt different because you could put hard quantitative numbers on the depth of our division. And we're recording this sermon, sorry if you thought this was live, on Thursday night, and right now we're still in a state where we don't know what's going to happen. And the uncertainty as we stare face to face with our division is really, really challenging. And I think it's especially challenging because even in places that seem relatively unified, like here in Hudson County, the division is still 75-25. We are in a situation where everyone is seeing the world differently. We're seeing our country differently, and we're struggling to know how we can be unified, and we're struggling to know what is true. That's why we're doing this series on subversive unity, because in the midst of all this division, there are all these calls saying that we should be unified, especially calls from leaders of the church saying that we need to put aside our division and come together. But all too often, these calls for unity call us to put aside things that are really important. And, and we're trying to ask the question, what does it mean to have true, real, deep unity? And this morning, we're thinking about that unity in relationship to truth as we continue moving through John chapter 17. Uh, if you have a Bible on your phone or in your living room, I invite you to actually go and get it, pick it up, read along with me. We're going to be all over the place a little bit. But our main text for this morning is from John chapter 17. We're going to begin with verse 13. Jesus prays, but now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they also may be sanctified in truth. So in this text, Jesus is praying to God the night before his crucifixion, and he has a lot to say about truth. And I want us to think about this concept and, and the main point that I want to make this morning is that our subversive unity is in living out God's truth. Our unity comes from living out God's truth. And I want to divide this up 
into three parts as we think about it. The first part is the maker of truth, the second, the means of truth, and the third thing is the mission of truth. So first of all, the maker of truth. This is maybe the simplest one, and it's something that John emphasizes throughout his entire gospel, and that's this, that all truth comes from God. We see this right at the beginning of John chapter 17 in verse 3. Jesus prays, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God. God is the only true God, and the only one who is true is God. But this is stated even more clearly earlier in the Gospel of John. If you flip to John chapter 3, in verse 33, Jesus says, Whoever has accepted his testimony has certified this, that God is true. I think this is something as Christians that we all pretty easily assent to, the idea that God is true and that God is truth, but it gets harder when we ask the question to ourselves, where do we search for truth? Because I think often when we go searching for truth, we don't search for it in God. I know for me, the past couple days, I've been searching for truth by constantly refreshing the 538 webpage looking for the most recent news. But where do we search for truth? And when you're questioning what is true, is God the first one you turn to? And the idea that God is true and that truth comes from God is not just limited to things that are spiritual or things that's religious. All truth is God's truth. And so if something is true, it is from God. And if something is true, it is of God, no matter what domain of knowledge you might be talking about. Truth is from God, first of all. He is the maker of truth. Second is the means of truth. If God is the maker and the source of all truth, then how do we get that? How do we get God and the truth within? Well, this leads us to our text, John chapter 17, verse 17. There, Jesus says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Now, I've heard a lot of pastors preach on this verse, and I think they get it wrong, because when Jesus says your word is truth, I don't think he's talking about the Bible. Now, don't misunderstand me. I think the Bible is true, and I think it's incredibly important, but I don't think that's what's being talked about in this specific verse, right? When When John wrote the Gospel of John, the Bible as we know it, the 66 books of the Old and New Testament, didn't exist. What is your word in the Gospel of John? If you're familiar with it, you might be thinking of it. At the very beginning of John's Gospel, John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then in verse 14 of chapter 1, it says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who comes for the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word in the Gospel of John is Jesus Christ. So when Jesus says, Sanctify them, by the truth, your word is truth. He's saying that he is the one 
who is truth. And Jesus has said this earlier in the Gospel of John, the famous statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth. And what that means in in the Gospel of John is twofold. It means, first of all, that Jesus is the messenger of truth. Jesus talks over and over in the Gospel of John about how what he has given to the disciples is what he has received from God the Father. And everything he has received from God the Father, he has given to the disciples. The teachings and the actions of Jesus reveal to us the message and the truth of God. But in the Gospel of John, Jesus isn't just the messenger of truth. Jesus is the message of truth truth. Jesus himself is truth, and more importantly, Jesus is the revelation of God. If you read through the Gospel of John, something that John emphasizes over and over is this idea that no one has ever seen God. He repeats it at least a half dozen times throughout the Gospel. And this raises the question, if no one has ever seen God, then how do we get to know God? And if no one has ever seen God, then how do we get to know God's truth. And John's answer is that Jesus is the final, the perfect, the complete revelation of who God is. So that means if you want God's truth, you listen to Jesus. If you want to see God, look at Jesus. If you want to know God, build a relationship with Jesus. Jesus, the word of God, is the means by which we get God's truth. Now, that sounds all well and good, and honestly would be a lot easier if we were the disciples, and if we were able to live and walk and talk with Jesus. But we live 2,000 years later, and we don't have that luxury. So, something else that the Gospel of John emphasizes, not so much in chapter 17, but John chapter 17 is a part of a larger section in the Gospel of John known as the Farewell Discourse. So John chapters 13 to 17 are this Farewell Discourse. It's a long uh, speech and conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples the night before he is crucified. And a large portion of this section, a lot of chapters 14 and 15 and 16, deals with the Spirit. And the Spirit is given a couple of different names throughout this section. You may have heard of the paraclete or the advocate or the helper. But one of the names that the Spirit is given in the farewell discourse is the Spirit of Truth. Uh, Flip back with me just one chapter to John chapter 16, uh, beginning with verse 12. Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Here Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth who leads us and guides us into truth. And the truth that comes from the spirit 
is the truth that comes from the word of God, which is the truth that comes from God the Father. There's this amazing Trinitarian thing happening with the Gospel of John and with truth, where God the Father is the source of all truth, where God the Son is the revelation of truth, and where God the Spirit is the one who leads us into truth. The continuation of the Word of God on this earth is the Spirit of God. So, the, mean, the maker of truth is God the Father. The means by which we access that truth is the word of God, God the Son, and the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. So that brings us to our third thing, the mission of truth. If we return back to our main text, John chapter 17, verse 17, it says this, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they also may be sanctified in truth. Um, Three different times in these three verses, this word sanctify is used. Now, the word sanctify means to make holy. In fact, in the Greek, the word sanctified is hagiazo, and the word holy is Hagias, hagias, hagiato. It's the same word, just one's an adjective, one's a verb. And I think we, we often have the wrong sort of image when we think of sanctification. We, we often think of being sanctified in this sort of like desert monk kind of way where someone is sitting cross-legged on a mountain praying or where someone is, is really disassociated from the things of this world. But if we trace the word sanctify back to its Old Testament roots, it comes from the temple. And things were sanctified for service to God in the temple. So the clothes that the priests would wear would be sanctified so the priest could wear them when he was serving in the temple. The priest himself would be sanctified so that he could be holy when he's performing his duties in the temple. A sacrifice would be sanctified so that it could be sacrificed to God in the temple. Things were, sacri- were sanctified so that they might perform their service to God. And the same thing happens with Jesus in the Gospel of John. The word sanctifies is only used two places in the Gospel of John. One is here in our text in chapter 17, and the other time is in chapter 10. In John chapter 10, verse 36, Jesus calls himself the one whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world. There Jesus says, I was sanctified, and then I was sent into the world. And then again, in chapter 17, verse 19, Jesus says, for their sakes, I sanctify myself. Now, this is weird, right? Why would Jesus need to be made holy if Jesus is sinless and is already God? Why does he need to be made holy? And the reason is because this sanctification is about sanctification to a mission. And for Jesus, that mission was the cross. In verse 19, the the phrase, and for their sakes, is a common phrase that's used to talk about Jesus on the cross. His death was for us. It's that redemption language. Jesus 
was sanctified by the Father and was sent into the world for the mission of the cross. And the same thing is true of us, that we are sanctified by God's truth so that we would be sent into the world. That's what we see in this text. Verse 17 talks about sanctification. Verse 18 talks about being sent into the world. And then verse 19 talks about sanctification. Sanctification sandwiches this idea of being sent into the world. We experience God's truth, not just so that we can inflate our own egos, not just so we can have greater the knowledge than someone else, but we are given God's truth so that we might live out God's mission. And that's why I said at the beginning of the sermon, the big idea is that our unity comes from living out God's truth. We have to recognize this truth is from God. This truth is revealed in Jesus. We are led into this truth by the Spirit, and we are called to a mission of living out the truth. Now, what does that actually mean? What does it actually mean for us to live out the truth? This is something I've, I've been thinking about and honestly kind of struggling with this week, and I've been thinking about it in, especially as it relates to politics for obvious reasons. Um, living out the truth can apply to a bunch of different areas of our, of our lives, but especially as we, we think about the current moment that we're in, I think it's really challenging to, to, to think about this well as Christians. I was helped by um, something our denomination put out. In 1995, our denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church, had an annual conference, and they adopted a resolution called Public and Political Discourse, talking about how Christians should act in politics. And I'd encourage you to Google it. Uh, Public and Political Discourse, 1995, Evangelical Covenant Church. I found it really helpful. And one of the things they said I think really applies to this idea of truth, and it's that they resolved this, that Christians should condemn all lying, misrepresentation, oversimplification, propaganda, gossip, disrespect, slander, and hateful and malicious talk about others. In particular, talk about our political leaders from the head of government down to our local officials. To live out the mission of truth can mean a lot of things, but one of the things it means is that when we see something is a lie and is not the truth from God, we call it out and we replace it with God's truth. So I think that means for us in this moment, it means that we call out any sort of lie that proclaims that Christianity is solely about the individual any lie that says Christianity is just about getting into heaven or into hell, and we instead proclaim that Christianity is about the communal, that God cares about our lives here and now, and that we are called to fight to make things better. It means we have to call out the lies of racism, of injustice, and of socioeconomic oppression. We have to call out any time we see systems that explicitly or implicitly value one group of people over the other. And if we're really honest about the Bible, we have to proclaim that God has a preferential option for those who are poor, 
for those who are marginalized, for those who are oppressed. And we have to proclaim the truth that God is with those people and stands against injustice. It means we have to call out the lie of our culture that people are self-autonomous, that the ultimate authority is self, and the thing that ultimately determines is self. And we instead have to proclaim that our identity is from God and that God is the only sovereign. And it also means we have to we have to call out the lie that I think so many of Americans implicitly believe because we go to the polls every four years and we vote for a new truth. We go to the polls every four years and we vote for a new Messiah. And the truth is from God. And the truth is that Christ is the only Messiah. And that also means the truth is that our work for God's kingdom and God's truth doesn't end even if the candidate we want is elected and it doesn't end if the candidate we want isn't elected. It doesn't matter if the candidate stays in office that we want or leaves office. Our work for God's kingdom continues regardless of the political sphere. And we are called to bring God's kingdom of justice and compassion and mercy and truth to this world. So brothers and sisters, friends of Hope Jersey City, I think this is where our unity comes, in living out God's truth. Our unity isn't going to come in agreeing on every single tiny matter of doctrine or theology. Certainly there are core essentials that we need to hold to, but I think our primary unity comes from how we live out God's truth. So let's be a people who are committed to receiving our truth from God, who are committed to discovering the true revelation of God in Jesus Christ, who are led by the Spirit to live out God's truth. Amen.